top. Needlessly cut down and ambushed by some cowardly hoodlum. There's no way for a man to die. Yeah, you're right, Ed. A parachute not opening, that's a way to die. Getting caught in the gears of a combine. Having your nuts bit off by a Laplander, that's the way I want to go. Welcome, everyone, to My Bleeding Ears Podcast. My name is Larry, and I'm your host for this episode, which is number 70. Mm-hmm. With me today is my co-host, as usual, Jessalyn. Hello, everyone. And a special guest host today, Grace Barajas. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, my mother's maiden name is Barajas, which mm-hmm. I, I've told you before, but we always pronounced it Barajas. For like, um, cause yeah, cause my family is very um, like Americanized, uh, like first and second generation, uh, either Mexican or Japanese people, but they all changed their, oh not changed, but all took on like American names for their kids, you know, and uh, so like the Japanese side, their names are like Bobby and Larry and stuff, <laughs> and on the Mexican side, it's like Jimmy and Laura. It's real funny. Like it's all Americanized. So when I first ever heard the pronunciation of Barajas, I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And I was like, "Like I was at a Mexican restaurant when I was like nine or ten years old with the family, and they we put in the, our name to be picked for the next person to get a table." And they were like, Angelina Barajas. And I'm like, and then we started going to the table. I'm like, who the fuck did they call? And they're like, well, that's how you say the name correctly. And I was like, oh, okay. Not Barajas. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, nice little Larry history lesson there. Uh, so, uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, Movies aren't, like, your big thing, but you do love our Movie of the Week. That's why we invited you here. Are you more, like, interested in, like, TV and music, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You're more into, like, uh, (laughs) let's say, like, (laughs) kind of like reality TV and, and, and... like uh, concerts and stuff. Yeah. You probably haven't gone to a concert in a while, but no, you we're do actually like going music. to Saturday. Oh, too. yeah, the oh. Interrupters at uh, House of Blues. But oh, look at so, that. But yeah, I love reality TV just because I feel like every day it's just a grind. You know, mm-hmm. I'm constantly just sort of bombarded with the academic, you know, science going on, and I feel like you know when I get home, I just want to relax and sort of. Take myself away from it. So. And in, instead of real life stuff, you want to see a bunch of other fuck ups <laughs> right. ruin their lives. Yeah, Everybody exactly. has a way, like a thing they do to switch off, right. and that's your yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to a concert last night, and I like music, but I'm not big into it. And I'll go to a concert every once in a while. And there's some people who who their thing is music. Mine is movies, and that's the thing I've chosen and just really attached myself to. Um, so going to this concert, I was like, all right, yeah, it's cool, whatever, you know. Uh, I'm sure the same p- way people who love music and like movies are, are going to react to whatever movie I would show someone or they would see in the theater. So um, this concert was, is um, the name of the band was Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. And it they're like a band, it would be like a stoner metal band if it took place in the 60s or 70s. That's what the kind of music it was. <laughs> okay. So uh, my brother invited me because he had three tickets. Um, one of uh, someone couldn't go, so then I took his third ticket, and he brought his son, who's fourteen, to the show. And I was like, "All right, cool. It'd be great to see my nephew and Hank go to a show with him. This is awesome. I've been waiting for this for years. You know, um, I pick on the kid all the time, and then you know I get to finally mosh with him <laughs> in a, at a concert. You know, so uh, I end up meeting him there, uh, both of my my brother and his son." And they're at the hot dog place, and I, I grab a hot dog. And you can see the lineup of people outside of the door getting ready to go in. And my nephew has really chosen music. Like, he loves music mm-hmm. now. He's starting to learn how to play drums. Uh, he's like a metal dude. His hair's grown out all along. He has, like, a metal vest with, like, 400 patches on it. You know, he's, he's all about music. So he was all 
pumped up for this show. And right before I showed up, I went and looked at the website, and it was like 18 and over. And I was like, oh, shit, he's not going to get in. And then I called my brother. I was like, hey, well, it says 18 and over. But he was like, you know, there's a, a kind of a secret, or it's not really talked about, is that kids can go to these 18 and over shows as long as they're with their parent. And they have to, can't be holding any beers or anything like that, you know. So it's, that's pretty cool for the Metro here in Chicago to do that. Mm-hmm. So he was all pumped, and I'm eating my hot dog, and people start going into the into the, the Metro, getting ready for the concert, and he's freaking out, man. He wants to get to the front <laughs> row, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, man. So we get in there a little late. I mean, he misses the front row barely. Like, people are all piled up there. And so we're, like, right behind them. So he's kind of feeling sad about that. My brother and I are kind of laughing at him, you know? He's <laughs> like, he's a young kid, and he really loves this. I understand. I'm this, I would be the same way. Back then, too, if it were, like, I don't know, I was going to a big toy store. Or even now I feel that way. Or if there, I was going to meet, like, James Cameron or something, I'd be totally freaked out. I'd be like, all right, we got to go now. FOMO up the ass. Like, it has to happen. So we're there, and the concert's pretty good. The first two bands are, are pretty cool, you know. And we're just BSing, my brother and I. And, you know, we're talking about video games. And some other people would cut in and be like, hey, we know that, too. We're all, everyone's cool. We're just bullshitting, having a great time. Bands come up, you know, they play, and then the the third band comes up, and my nephew is just still, like, kind of not at the front yet, you know, just no room for him to go up there, so he's just been chilling in the back this whole time. You can see the tension, he keeps looking back at his dad, you know, (laughs) but finally a place opens up when the third band goes up, and he gets to go right in front on the railing. And I was like, yes, all right, great, he's gonna fucking love this, this band is like his favorite band now, of course... Probably next month will be a different band. (laughs) Like, when we went in there, too, he spent, like, 60 bucks on merch, you know? He bought, like, two shirts. I think him and his dad bought the same shirt, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, you should wear it in there together, guys. (laughs) So, um, third band comes on. Yeah, everyone's having a great time. Second song, there's this woman, must have been about 35 to 40, maybe a little older, intoxicated by something, I don't know what, probably drinking, Gets up to the front, you know, where people have held their place this whole time. She bursts through, and she's right next to my nephew, and she's fucking going wild, you know. She is just, you know, singing along, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't hear the band. <laughs> I couldn't fucking hear the band myself. But she's going along, and she's, like, constantly bumping my nephew. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, she's drunk and everything. This is funny, you know. She keeps bumping into my, my nephew, and I look at my brother. We're laughing. She's like, yeah, get used to this. This is going to happen to you when you go to these shows there's going to be these people there who are wasted and have no respect for anyone else around you. Fine. It's all going fine. She's getting wasted. But then she's totally just keeps bumping and ramming him on the front there. And then finally, he kind of just pushed her back with, like, his arm. And then she comes around with this, like, Hapkido-looking straight fucking open palm hit and hits my nephew who's 14 years old hit him where in the face (laughs) oh uh uh right this goes down i look over at my brother he is not happy i didn't hear anything he said but i can tell he grabbed her and he said that's my fucking son don't you fucking touch him the guy at the front sees this going on and there's guys behind us kind of pointing at my brother because I don't know if they saw what happened, but if you see a man grab a woman, right. yeah. mm-hmm. you automatically are on the defense. You'd be like, okay, this shit can't happen if you didn't get the whole story, right? So I have to stand and take a look and to see if anyone's going to come behind my brother and knock him out. So I'm going to say, oh, great. So then the security up front comes and, you know, they tell everyone to chill out. My brother's fucking pissed, man. You can see it in his eyes. I can feel the tension in him. And he's just in there in, like, this black wife beater, you know? <laughs> and they let everything go. This woman is still fucked up. They let her stay. So I guess they didn't see her take a swing at my, my nephew. So he was having a great time. And then I look over, and after security left, he kind of isn't banging his head anymore. And he's just, you know, it just kind of ruined his night. And I look over at my brother, and he's stewing, too. And then I was like, man, I feel really bad now. But then this woman starts acting up again. And then she starts screaming in my nephew's ear and keeps bumping him and pushing him and shit. That's when security comes over and they're like, you're gone. 
security comes and they're like you have to go and she's fighting them and everything and then finally Jesus. they rip her wow. and people started cheering and then next song like my nephew was backing it again and fucking cheering and my brother and i were like all right yeah we Good. can have some fun again and i was like uh, i'm really tired i woke up at four in the, four in the morning so i'm gonna just go home <laughs> i hope everything's all right with you guys <laughs> I'm, just, I'm heading out Good luck, man. I don't want to get any fights. This is going to be crazy. This is like a 7 o'clock show on a Tuesday. What yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I come home, and I, I text my brother, like, everything okay? You have a good time? And he's like, uh, he texts me back later on, and he says, you know, the band saw all that happen. So after the show, they gave him the set list, and they went and met him afterwards, Aww, you know. That's phenomenal. And that was pretty cool. So something really cool came out of such a shitty situation, you know. And I know if it wasn't a woman, that my brother and I would probably be in jail right now. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure we would have sure. stopped that dude out like that scene from Goodfellas. I mean, right. it was... <laughs> luckily, yeah. So luckily everything moved moved around just really nicely after that and did she leave a mark i'll fucking stomp (laughs) no it didn't no i don't think i don't think it did but it looked pretty violent there man it it was not cool so so i guess the meaning of why i'm telling the story is that i'm just happy i picked movies that's my (laughs) thing to where i can go to a theater and if someone's being a jackass i'll just go to the manager and say something (laughs) And, you know, it's just, <laughs> I think I, I picked the right path. That, <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah, I'm trying to say. Less aggressive. You go right. to Riot Fest every year, and you even want yeah. to take your daughter. Yeah, in yeah. In September, she'll be a little over a year. I think so. I think it's a good time, you know, especially if you're not really in the front and the thick of it. Mm. There's kind of, yeah. you can kind of sit back and just sort of listen to the different, you know, bands <clears throat> and stuff. It, it can be a pretty laid back time. Mm-hmm. So it should be, should be pretty good. All right, cool. Now let's get to movies yes. here. <laughs> All right, uh, Jesslyn, you went and saw the new Captain Marvel movie, and I did not. Uh, you couldn't wait to see it, and so you went and saw it. What did you think? I loved it. I, uh-huh. I fully expected to love it, and I was not disappointed. So I went in with really high expectations, and I was not disappointed. I know I'm an asshole for doing this, because that's what everybody is doing this, but they're comparing Wonder Woman to Captain Marvel, and I ended up doing it too, and they they can't be, they're both really good movies. They're mm-hmm. being compared because they're Women. one of the first action movies that with a female lead. Um, I think I liked Wonder Woman more. Not that they can be compared because they're completely different characters. Right. But I think I like Wonder Woman more because Wonder Woman proved to us that a female, a strong female superhero can be soft and vulnerable and naive mm-hmm. and still strong and she can also have a love interest who doesn't get in her fucking way every five seconds right um and captain marvel is the opposite of that i mean she um joined the army i think in the 80s i'm sorry the air force excuse me <laughs> <laughs> and she had to work her ass off for every single thing she had which is also something that women always have to go through in mm-hmm. order to to at least break into the pack so I think I liked Wonder Woman because, you know, James Cameron said that stupid thing about how Wonder Woman ruined female, like, strong action female leads because he didn't understand that what Patty Jenkins had done was create a female lead that was, you know, vulnerable and soft and mm-hmm. still incredibly powerful. Um, and Captain Marvel is the antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. Um, she is very strong and tough. Uh, I guess was my only point. They shouldn't be compared, but I went ahead and did it just like everybody did. <laughs> that's been, that's um, perfectly fine. But and the whole point, James Cameron, is that women can be strong in multiple capacities, just like men can. <laughs> um, uh, it this... was funny. I laughed. The CGI on Samuel L. Jackson's face was weird because he already looks like I'd still believe he was 35. He's 70 years old. <laughs> and I still probably wouldn't question like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, he's 35. Whatever. That's fine." But they see they changed like the skin tone of his face and they kind of lift. It's weird. His yeah. face just looks weird. Like Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where you're like, "Something's wrong." <laughs> it's that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people a lot of not I think a lot of stupid men <laughs> I'll just say that right now we're really hoping for this movie to fail yeah of course uh, and it didn't it did really well and it's still getting pretty good reviews 
Uh, I think a lot of the problem was with uh, Brie Larson herself and some of the things that she said, and I somewhat agree with what they're saying. Um, it goes along the lines of of reviewers and how critics are mostly men of movies. That's and that true. Men, um, this movie, certain movies aren't for men, and that there should be more women and more people of color in to be critics. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with what she's saying, but I also think that she's so privileged that she doesn't understand that there's free press and that there's podcasts everywhere and that there's tons of viewers, there's YouTube, and there's all these different ways to get your information from. Don't stick with a a, a critic you don't like unless you like reading his reviews because either they're ridiculous or you agree with them. So I guess what I'm saying is that there's so many different ways to get your information now. There's so many different platforms to get there. So, but that's the only stupid thing I heard her say, and I'm not going to hold that against her for a fucking movie. I didn't hear what she said. I don't know Mm -hmm. the quote. I'll have to read the quote. But I think what she was saying was that there are movies that aren't for you, and that's something that a lot of men really don't understand. Because up until recently, all the movies are for us. All the music videos are for us. All the books are for us. Uh So when something comes out that has nothing to do with them, they don't understand Uh and they don't like it and they think it's bad because it wasn't made for them. I think that sounds like the point she was trying to make. It is, but I still don't agree with that. Let's just say, let's go back to my my review of Bumblebee. That movie's not for me. And I also said that in my review, too. And I also put out some different points of why it wasn't. And I also put out points of why it may work for a certain audience that it's for. But I also said that in my review. And I'm yeah. sure that there are other reviewers who are just going to say this movie's shit because Captain Marvel doesn't smile. Which is completely stupid. I, yeah. I, <laughs> look at, look at all the, the other superhero mo- mo- uh, posters with the male characters on them. They're not smiling. You know? Somebody yeah. did a meme. They changed yeah. all the Avengers posters with all the men yeah, to I saw like, that. Photoshop smiles. <laughs> yeah, and it looks ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, am I seeing a comedy here? No, I don't want to yeah. see her smile. Yeah, she's a serious thing. But so then that's my little take on it. But it's not going to deter me from seeing this movie. No, you're going to like it. Because, yeah, because if that's the reason, then I wouldn't see James Cameron movies or I wouldn't see Peckinpah movies because I'm sure he said a lot of terrible shit. So yeah. it's. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Let's, so, I don't want to find out. <laughs> so that's my take. I do want to see this movie. I'm probably just going to wait till it comes on to uh, video on demand. Mm hmm. Um, cause with me, with these Marvel movies, um, I think they're good and everything, but I'm, I'm not like hardcore like a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I can wait. I don't need to see it right away. But you did know all, you told me all about her when yeah. this was going to be a movie, like yeah. when Brie Larson had just been cast or maybe even before. Yeah. And I you think, know all about Captain Yeah. Marvel. I thought she would be fine with that. And it, you know, a lot of these, and I've watched some of these reviews, these ridiculous reviews that have been done by some people. And they're like, who's Brie Larson? I've never heard of her before. But it's like, well, first of all, why don't you do some research? You're a critic. It yeah, probably fucking help you a little didn't bit. Didn't know who she was. And she just won an Oscar a few years ago. Right. I mean, where, where have you been, dummy? Like, okay, yeah. Like you, you have no merit now because of that. You're good journalism skills, friend. Yeah, that has nothing to do with being <laughs> yeah. a man and everything to do with you being a shitty critic. If you don't know who Brie Larson is, so. So I guess what I'm saying is that there's there's so many different places you can go for for criticism of things. Yeah. Um, my guy is Chris Stuckman. He's the best. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he loved it. Do you want to see Captain Marvel, Grace? Yeah. You know, I I think I'm I'm with you on the whole waiting until it goes on, uh, you know, on demand yeah. sort of thing. You know, I'm not I'm not really a movie theater kind of person, but yeah, it, it really does interest me. I, I like a strong female character. So. Yeah, I do too. I mean, some of my, my favorite movies that are <laughs> strong yours, female characters, like, like my top, well, my my one overall is one of the baddest ass women ever, which is Aliens, of course. If you never listened to the podcast oh, yeah. before, then yes, Ripley is the best. Yes. yes. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Ripley also, uh, whether James Cameron knew it or not, he was making Ripley soft and maternal as well as powerful, and that's part of her power. Oh, I'm pretty sure he knew it baffles that. me that he said something so stupid about Wonder Woman. You know, i got to go back and read the quotes on that. Uh, yeah. 
Anywho. Anywho, next Ripley's movie. Awesome. <laughs> the next movie, uh, I saw this one alone. This is when you're out for work. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to check this out. And it's called The Night Eats the World. And it's about um, this guy who... Uh, he ends up at his ex-girlfriend's new apartment because um, when they broke up, some of his stuff was uh, stuck in her pile of things. So he goes over to her house and there's a party going on. And, like, her new boyfriend's there. Aww. She's got this awesome new apartment. There's people having a great time. And he just wants to get his shit and get the hell out. And so, like, the first ten minutes of this movie, he's just getting this box that he wants. And it's just a bunch of tapes, actually. You know, of, like, him playing music and him, like, discussions with his mother when he was a kid and everything. So these tapes were kind of important to him. So he really wanted to get them. And, you know... um, his girl ex-girlfriend keeps telling him, like, yeah, I'll give him a second, have a drink, relax, you know, and she goes off, and she's a host and everything, never really gets back to him, and then he goes up to her, he's like, I really want my stuff, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here, and her boyfriend comes, and he's like, pushes the guy, you know, there's almost a fight, and she's like, well, your, your tapes are in that room, just go in that room, and I'll be in there in a minute. So he goes into, like, this bedroom where his box is, and he, like, closes the door, and he, like, locks the door for some reason, so no one comes in, and he sifts through his stuff, he finds the box, party's going on and he just kind of sits in this lounge chair and he passes out and once that happens you hear like this large this this ruckus going on in the apartment and then he wakes up the next morning opens the door to the to the from the bedroom into the main apartment and sees that it's completely fucked up there's blood everywhere and it just looks like a huge crime scene he um, opens the door to leave and he sees his ex-girlfriend sitting on the stairs outside the door and when he calls out her name, he sees that she's a zombie. So he closes the door, and he's totally freaking out, not knowing what to do. He looks out all the windows, and he sees that um, the zombie apocalypse has happened. So, and then he's stuck in this apartment. Fast zombies or slow? They zombies? are fast zombies. Okay. They are the fast worst. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie's pretty much of him taking over like this whole apartment building, making it him his own, and he just has really nothing to do. He starts playing drums because he's a musician and everything. And um, he goes to the rooftops and sees what's going on. He fixes up the whole apartment to make it be his own. And after a while, he kind of gets bored with it. And from there, he meets another stranger. And um, and it's a pretty good movie. It's, it's slowly paced, but not excruciatingly slow. There's not, it, you're not going to see a lot of zombie attacks or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just this guy by himself for most of the time. And I, and what I think the filmmakers were trying to to give us is, I think in, a, in the same vein what Turbo Kid did, was that you need, um, you can't dwell on the past. You kind of got to move on from where you are. Even if it's a zombie apocalypse, even if it's a bad relationship, even if it's stuff from your past that you want to hold on to, you're never going to get rid of it until you move on with your life. So this guy went to his his ex-girlfriend's apartment because he couldn't let go of her. He couldn't let go of those tapes that he had when he was a kid. He didn't leave his apartment. He didn't leave that big apartment for the zombie apocalypse because he couldn't let go. So, but at the, the end, he finally does and he leaves. So, um, it's a pretty good movie, even though I just ruined all of it. It's not, I really want to see it <laughs> It now. is, yeah. I have really <laughs> it before with the it's, scenario it's, that I read. It's really well done. The main actor does it really well, really sympathetic, and you really feel for him, and, and you really just kind of go on this adventure, because you see it all through his eyes. Is it French? Uh, it is, I believe it is... It's Maybe French produced, but it's all in English. Okay, because it's uh, or Finnish, or yeah, okay. yeah. But it's all yeah, it's all in English. The okay. guy you can hear the accent, but I think he's from Norway. Maybe I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Because um, like people from Norway and like Finland and stuff can like speak with you, and their accents like really kind of faint, you know. And yeah. You'd be like, oh, American. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. There's like a little accent in there. Oh, all the okay, scars guards. Exactly. You only get a hint every now yeah, and again. Yeah, you get a whiff every once in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a definite check out this movie, um, along with Captain Marvel. I guess maybe why don't you stay home and watch this movie, and I'll go out and watch Captain Marvel. Sounds good. Actually, or... actually I want to go see Dragged Across Concrete, which I'm probably going to see 
Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> I can't wait to see that one. <laughs> you should go <laughs> see us, or I'm gonna go see that without you too. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? You can go and do that, but give me all the rest of those free tickets that we have to the movies. I have been going through those. <laughs> yes, exactly. How many do we a have? Bunch of vouchers. <laughs> yeah, we had about like 15 vouchers. How many are left? Like three. There were 12. 12. Two. Two left, <laughs> and I've used one. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Eighty-five comedy starring Val Kilmer, real genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was my pick. This, this is a multiple of five. Yes, this is episode number seventy, <laughs> and Jessalyn gets every five movies. Mm-hmm. So here we go, real genius. And I wanted Grace to join us because, yeah. aside from my sister, I have never met anybody who has even <laughs> seen this movie. I've only seen it as many times as you have. I am so happy that you decided to. <laughs> movie i don't love many movies but this is definitely one of my favorites Mm -hmm. and you just watched it again last night just like we did it's still i don't think i laughed out loud as much as i did when i was a kid but nothing bothered me about it which i was relieved whenever i watch 80s movies i'm glad it holds up in that that i I was actually laughing out loud a lot more than i usually (laughs) was because you just know all those lines like i know all the funny things we know what's coming up yeah yeah Well, I saw this movie probably late 80s for the first time, and it was never at the beginning. I always caught, like, right in the middle or right in the, uh, maybe 20 minutes of past. So I've always missed the CIA beginning of this, about the, the creation of this laser that's the basis of this, the, the, the core yeah. of this movie. I always just saw the comedy parts of it. The one part I always remembered from my childhood, which we'll get to a lot more later, is the part where the one... Uh, character keeps hearing God. So yes. I always remember yes. that part. That's that was the first time I would watch I saw this movie. And it, it, it always seemed to be on TV TV in the eighties. We had HBO and Showtime. We had the full cable package when I was a kid. So it always seemed to kind of be on, along with like Beastmaster and Kroll. So <laughs> that was about the first time I saw Grace. When did you remember first seeing it? I actually remember first seeing it in 1995. It was trigonometry class. So, <laughs> so in, in school. In school, <laughs> yeah, in high school. Um, you know, my professor, was, or my t- professor, not my professor, my teacher was actually really kind of geeky, you know. He really enjoyed teaching trigonometry, and, you know, there was just a day where you know, he had a movie day and just decided to play Real Genius. And I really fell in love with it because I've always loved science and I've mm-hmm. always loved microbiology. I'm a microbiologist microbiologist by trade. And so I've always loved the sciences, even as early as grade school. So when I saw this and they made sort of this geeky science you know, movie. It's almost like a frat movie, yeah, but, but for science funny. nerds. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So from there, I, that's when I first saw it, and I really enjoyed it. My dad taught this in his, like, freshman fundamentals of English class. It was his comedy movie that he would show and <laughs> teach. I don't really know what he would teach about. I mean, because it's funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's how I saw it when I was, well, I saw it when I was a kid, but my dad also taught it. Yeah. 
I was going to ask if that was part of what got you into science, but it sounds like you were already into science. <laughs> yeah, so that's really why you like science. this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this this movie is pretty unique considering the other movies that came around, around this time that were somewhat like it or dealt with nuclear warfare or... Um, the Russians or the Cold War. It all came out around this time. We mm-hmm. had movies like Red Dawn, uh, War Games, or... Um, Toy Soldiers. Toy Soldiers. Mm-hmm. There was all these different kind of movies with um, just this impending attack from an unknown enemy, you know? So, uh, I, I, but this one's a comedy, and how they arranged it in this film is... They did it really well, and... It's a really serious thing with uh, biological weapons or, or uh, laser beams and shit like that happening to blow other countries up. So to be able to mix it in here and, and still have a really hilarious movie that you can laugh at with all these these really important topics going on in the 80s, this movie just really stands out and I really think it didn't get the attention it deserved back in the day. Uh, I think it deserved a lot more attention than a lot of these 80s comedies that came out with, like, fucking John Cusack, you know? And this right. one really went o- went over the top. And this is, uh, I believe, Val Kilmer's second movie. Even. Yeah, the yeah. first was Top Secret. And I think it's great that this comedic actor, you know, after a few of these movies went on to be, fuck, Doc Holliday, you know, and to well, go on to have, like, this career of serious roles. He's a graduate of Juilliard, too. <laughs> so this Top Secret and Real Genius comedies were his first couple of movies, and then Top Gun, but, but yeah, he's a Juilliard grad. Mm-hmm. So, um, our movie starts out in uh, with the CIA in, like, a special, you know, probably in the Pentagon or some shit, I don't know, whether they see this prototype on the screen for this laser that's uh, that can be mounted to a satellite and have a precision uh, uh, attack on like a person. So, um, so these CIA agents, one of which is the the head cop from True Romance and Death Wish Three, he always plays a cop. Um, I forgot his name, but yeah, who keeps showing <laughs> Ed Louder. Ed Louder is Ed his Louder. name. Ed Louder, okay. In Death Wish, yeah, he's the cop that helps out uh, uh, Kersey when he's fighting all the bad guys in the dilapidated wherever they were. Uh, he was, yeah, the one cop from True Romance when they're talking about the the movie producer. He's like, oh, good fucking movie, yeah. <laughs> I think he passed away a few years ago, but he's a really kind of funny character actor you'll see every once in a while in movies. Uh, he's one of the guys in there, and there's a few other. CIA guys trying to, um, they want to know when this beam can be ready. So they're really pressuring this one guy to get it done. <clears throat> but he is, is contacting, uh, in contact with this very, like, uh, a popular professor who, um, who has gathered all these different, uh, the, all these smart kids, be it they're like 15 or, or college age or whatever, to make this laser beam for him. Uh, because he's a professor at a college, and he has like his own TV show, and he's he's like very well known. He's like a Mister Wizard type. Yeah, of guy. he's like yeah. that. <laughs> and he um, and his main purpose is to make money from having these really smart students make this laser for him, which, to which they don't know they're they're there because they've gotten scholarships, really smart, and they're just there to to really study and get ahead in life. Yeah, they don't even question why they're no, asked to make no, this. No, they want to yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and our the, our scene that follows the CIA is with uh, this 15-year-old kid at a science fair. His name is Mitch. And we finally, we do get to meet our professor, who's played by William Atherton, who always plays an asshole. <laughs> Ghostbusters, die hard. You know, he's Except always a jackass. In Ghostbusters, now that I've gotten older, I'm like, dude, he's just trying to save the city. You're <laughs> yeah. destroying it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's definitely evil, yeah. Yes, and we get to meet him, and he's just an evil asshole throughout this whole movie. Yeah. He oh, yells yeah. at dogs, people who he yeah. thinks are under him, you know, like people who do yard work and shit. And Hates popcorn, <laughs> like what kind of Nazi? Yeah, exactly. And we meet Mitch, who's a 15-year-old kid at the science fair, and uh, the professor tells him that, hey, I have an opening in college for you. Um, come join me when the school starts, and then we'll start working and working laser beams and whatever, and... He accepts, and Mitch, super smart kid, you know, doesn't get really get along with other kids. Um, they're kind of intimidated by him because he's really smart, but 
kind of keeps to himself in a way. Uh, so this new adventure into college is a big move for him, and as soon as he gets to college, thinking like this is a place where you 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 buckle down and work, he goes to his dormitory, and it's a fucking shit show in there. <laughs> <laughs> there's like stuff, uh, there's writing everywhere, and. He, his luggage is empty. Like, as soon as he gets there, he doesn't know how. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy who's living in his fucking closet. <laughs> he, one of your favorite guys. Who, um, who, yeah, we'll get to Lance okay. Hollyfield. Yeah. He's played by John Grease. He was, uh, he's a favorite actor of mine, and it isn't because of Napoleon Dynamite playing Uncle Rico. He was a, I was a big fan of his from the movie Terror Vision, mm-hmm. where he was, his name was O.D. in the movie, and he was like a metal dude. So <laughs> I remember when we met, that's what you used to call him, and I was like, what, you mean Laszlo Hollyfeld? Because I, I never like, knew his I name. I was like, no, his name's O.D., man, you gotta watch Terror Vision. You've been missing out. And then, then we show each other these movies, and like, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> And this is when we finally meet the character of Val Kilmer, and his name is Chris Knight, which is a pretty cool-sounding name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Hey, wait a second. Isn't that the same name of the one of the uh, uh, fucking Brady Bunch? I think... Christopher Knight, right? Christopher yeah. Knight. Yeah. Yes. I never thought about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this Chris Knight is way cooler than that one. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know, man. That, he may like uh what's her name adrian, adrian curry. curry yeah and she's like half his age and hey man i gotta give props to that dude man. Uh, <laughs> anyway so yeah so uh, we meet val kilmer and he is he is like y- you see him as like a slacker laid back kind of dude but before that you hear he's like the dream child you know he, he's the man he's the one he he's He's the guy. He knows everything. He's yeah. the best one there. He was Hathaway's star student right. until this kid showed up, mm-hmm. Mitch. And then, yeah, we get to see a nice, young Val Kilmer. Beautiful. Just <laughs> flawless, right? Even the weird blonde hair. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So now, um, we'll just let everyone know, listening, that you two actually got to meet Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. Once. I did. Now, please... <laughs> Tell us the story. I don't know if you guys want to talk together. Yeah, you want to tag team it? But All right, roll. well, I'll start. You tag start. team Val Kilmer. We got there at like 11 o'clock in the morning. We were maybe the 10th people in line. We're ready. Yes. And we got up to him, and he's like smiling and laughing because um, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but Val Kilmer is kind of a douchebag, or he was for a while there. <laughs> yeah. Really hard, hard to, to work, work with. with. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, if he's mean to my friend Grace, then I'm going to give him a piece of my goddamn mind. <laughs> and this is awesome, though, like, too, because this is at a Comic-Con. This yes, is at yeah. uh, Chicago mm-hmm. Comic and Entertainment Expo, I think, like, the second or third year. So this, and he'd is, this never is a big really name. done anything like this no, before. It no. was the biggest name. I mean, I thought it was mm-hmm. the biggest name. Um, so while he's talking to the people in front of us, Grace and I are wearing, I'm wearing Surf Nicaragua, and she's wearing, she's wearing it right now. <laughs> the International Order of Gorillas. I'm sorry, yeah. Yes. And these are yeah. shirts that Val Kilmer wears in the movie. In real right. teams. They're like, right. yeah, yeah. Rep- yeah we should preface, we had these made. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we knew we were going to meet Val Kilmer. <laughs> so we're standing in line. He's still talking to the couple in front of us, and he glances over at Grace and gets totally sidetracked, and then he goes... Oh my God, where did you get that t shirt? <laughs> like, doesn't look at me at all. So I'm like sitting here so green with that. Like, doesn't even notice me. So ex- uh, explain yeah. the t shirt. You had the t shirt yeah. made, but he told you what that t shirt meant. Yeah, he said something. You know, he was just blown away that we had t shirts made, first mm-hmm. of all. And he had a little story <laughs> for each one of them. And so for mine, he was just very excited because he was like, nobody knows about the international order for gorillas and i was like well what do you mean you know you're wearing the shirt in the movie you know i'm sure it's a popular shirt he's like no actually that stems from my brother mm-hmm. and i think his you know his uncle, uncle or something like, like a that made up thing yeah it was like a made up <laughs> thing like a family internal joke and they had t-shirts made and he just wore it to set one day <laughs> <laughs> so excited about it and he also had a little story about surf nicaragua i guess he what did. Was it was during, there were some serious conflicts in Nicaragua yeah. in 1985, so it was a controversial T-shirt to wear, and he was. They asked him not to wear it, and he was Val Kilmer about it. Apparently, <laughs> right. he still wore it. He, so, <laughs> he was pretty impressed by these shirts. Yeah, you know? but but then he gets his iPhone out 
And he's like, I got to take a picture of this for my brother. Are you going to the photo op? And we're like, yeah! He's like, okay, okay, let me get this picture. So he takes a picture of Grace's shirt. He's so excited. Somewhere on Valcomer's iPhone is a picture of Grace. (laughs) So we go over to the photo op, and we're we're like half an hour early. We're like jumping around screaming, so excited. Like, got a a beer to calm down for the photo op. We get there really early. And uh, Grace <laughs> tells the whatever the lady in charge of the photo op is like, yeah, we're here for Val Kilmer. And she, because he was like, he did say, he was like, go to the photo op. We'll get yeah. a good picture. And we're yeah. like, okay, totally. I want that. Yeah. We're going to do that anyway. <laughs> so we get there really early. And I remember that you said, she was like, okay, it starts at noon. And you go, okay. Well, we told Val we were going to be here. <laughs> she was just like, she was uh, like, all right. Okay. It starts at noon. So <laughs> crazy lady <laughs> <laughs> so we get in there he like recognizes you immediately t-shirt yeah. he's so excited he like tells the story again to the photographer yeah. it's a lot i've only done a couple photo op- photo ops but we were back there for a while, a while. and he Talk actually was he actually asked the photographer hey i need an extra picture yes of mm-hmm. this for my for my <laughs> exactly. safekeeping, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he smiled. You know, out of all the pictures that we saw, I feel like he smiled the biggest. In our I think so too. He's he wearing does. glasses. Like yeah. we're pretty sure he was kind of toasted. It's <laughs> fine, whatever. It's a long day. He's kind of dressed like Dark Man in the picture. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually kind of like Darkwing Duck in a way. You know what I mean? like, like, yeah. What at the smile on his face. Yeah. So friendly. Very. I went to pick up the picture, and there were only, there was only one. one. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, we needed two copies. And so I just barge into the bat, like the photo op. <laughs> and there's Sean Astin. <laughs> like, oh, what's up? I didn't know you were going to be here. And he's like, I didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> so, so nice. Sean Astin, also lovely. So I asked about the pic. He didn't care that I just busted into the room. <laughs> I asked where the picture was. And they said that somebody, t- did they, they think, I think they just said somebody took it. But I was like, well, Val Kilmer must have taken that picture. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he wanted yeah. a coffee. So Val, you know, he took that picture. It's up in his, you know, bedroom Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in his ranch house. <laughs> There's yeah. a picture of us. Right, right. Yeah, somewhere in his, on his ranch, yeah. his sprawling buffalo ranch. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. We were just like yoked up, as Giddy. you would call it, all Giddy. day long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Things like that would get you yoked up. That, I mean, it sounds... Well, it's, I think for me, maybe a fraction of how you guys were feeling when I met Michael Rooker, you know, and he's one of my favorite actors yeah, of all time. Yeah, he was time. really cool to you. But it yeah. sounds like you guys had an even greater time than that. so stoked about he that was. t-shirt. And yeah. everybody in that line was there for him, like his Batman or, or Top Gun or, or Tombstone, yeah. Yeah, they all had posters and stuff. We actually had like, we had some thought behind it. You yeah. know, we had yeah. those t-shirts made. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like he, he really appreciated that. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm so excited we got to tell that story. <laughs> and I always forget about the Sean Astin part until I get there. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I met Sean Astin. Hi, Sean Astin. Where's our Val Kilmer picture? <laughs> so anyway, Sean Astin, I need the Val Kilmer picture. Right. All right. So yeah. what's what's great about these um, these two characters, uh, the Val Kilmer is Chris, and we get Mitch also, is that they're pretty much on the opposite spectrum of how they they act, but they're both really smart. And there's a lesson le- that they both learn um, in this movie, which I want to say is moderation in a way, or, mm-hmm. or um, just kind of just getting your work done, or and or and kind of mixing that in with having your own personal life too. Because if you keep, you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, go far in life if you just do extremes of either one. Yes. Right. You know, one is either going to drive you nuts or the other one you're going to be a fucking bum. Yep. Yeah, they so. have this term called cracked and you actually see somebody crack under the, the pressure. Like, the yeah, montage, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Chris is the senior and he's goofing off and fucking around like seniors do and Mitch is the freshman and yeah, they moderation. That's exactly it. Man. Mitch learns that he has to cut loose and have a little bit of fun, and Chris learns that he can't dick around all the time. He's right. got to buckle down and get some work Doesn't done. Doesn't matter how smart you are. You, yeah. You, you have to yeah, buckle down and have fun, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, great. Two, two nice, light lessons that these characters learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going on more in the story, 
that the uh, William Atherton character is, is constantly on these guys because the CIA is constantly on the William Atherton character to get this this done because they put a whole bunch of money behind him and he's pretty much bought a house, you know, with that money, that mm-hmm. with the grant money and everything. And the CIA is really pressuring him to, to get this done. And he's he's not cracking just yet. He's just kind of getting on everyone's ass to all the students to get this done. We need this done now. I want to ask Grace, do any of the scientific terms make any sense at all? Do um, you know? I always you know, wondered. Yeah, they actually do. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Martha Coolidge really did her homework when she made this movie. Um, a lot of it makes sense. I think with, especially with the laser part of it, like okay. the construction and everything like that, you know, she has like the nanometers and the, the different terminology. It really makes sense. Um, there's some inconsistencies, mm-hmm. but you know. That's but for expected. a silly 80s yeah, comedy. We don't, we don't want people at home building, you know, <laughs> weapons of mass <laughs> or lasers, so you got to have some of the statistics right. a little bit. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's pretty much every yeah, movie, though, too, ab- because exactly. I see movies that take place or have a scene that takes place in an OR room, and I'm just like, dude, that's right. not what happens. That's not what it looks like. That guy's not wearing a mask. Where's the anesthesia machine? <laughs> what the fuck's going on? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just got to relax. This is a movie. You know? right. <laughs> I feel like you saw someone shake hands in the OR once, and you oh, were like, no. well, now you're both contaminated. Yeah. <laughs> Go back out and wash, jerk. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's good to know that the science kind of holds up. It does. Yeah. It does, yeah. Yeah, this is a really smart movie, and it's really well, well written, too. And it's really funny. There's just a lot of little lines in there that Val Kilmer says... Uh, there's one part that really makes me laugh, and I know it makes Jessalyn laugh too, is the part where um, they're kind of working on the laser and Val Kilmer's going to Mitch. She's like, all right, take one step back. Yeah. All right, take one step forward. All right, take one step back. One step forward. Now we're doing the cha-cha, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, the whole scene is what my sister and I used to do lines for that, because he also just walks in and is like, taste this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know, I found it in one of the labs. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just yogurt. <laughs> Yeah, that whole scene's great. Uh, this movie features a few different 80s montages. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta have the montage. Oh, yeah. With a great soundtrack, I think. I, I don't know if awesome. I'm biased, but yeah. Don't worry, I'll play the song at the end of the episode for you if you want. Yes. The, 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 which montage song, though? The there second like one. Well, yeah. the do, most. Do, the I most, love that do, one. Do, yeah, yeah the, 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 the f- more famous one. Or the one you sing more often. Than yeah, the whenever I want to get motivated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could see you on like a stationary bike. You know, it's like, <laughs> real genius soundtrack. <laughs> We're doing it. It has happened. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm right on there. I know you better. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's some cool montages. Uh, one of them is where they're, you know, uh, Val Kilmer's studying to because he goes for the revelation because uh, William Atherton's like, you're not gonna pass. I'm not gonna pass you. Um, even if you here. take the exam, even if you pass, you don't pass. He right. Says. So yeah, Val Kilmer totally cleans up his act, starts wearing somewhat nice clothes to his classes. <laughs> he wears like a button-up shirt, but he's wearing like his, his bunny slippers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about Kent at all, his foil. So yeah, uh, <laughs> William Atherton's Dwight Schrute kind of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, exactly. that's what that's really Yeah, that's exactly is, what uh, is. Yeah. Kent is like his, his uh, assistant and student, you know? And yeah. He's like the, yeah. He, Robert he's Prescott. Shrute. He's also the foil in, the bad guy in Bachelor Party. That's the only other thing I really remember him from. Yeah. You know, I've never seen Bachelor Party. You know, it's not that bad. Really? I watched it again as an adult, and I was like, this is going to make me cringe all the way through. And it does make me cringe a little, but it's not that bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> I still probably won't ever check it out. But he's the same sure. kind of, like, stuffed shirt bad guy. <laughs> but, but Kent is still kind of likable. There's nothing really wrong with Kent. He works really hard. Mm-hmm. He's a kiss ass, which kind of mm-hmm. sucks, but he's just trying to get ahead like everybody else. Well, um, well, so yeah. He really kind of sets it off with Mitch though, because um, he Mitch kind of has a little meltdown. Um, yeah. William Atherton scolds him because Mitch does finally kind of let loose a little bit. You know he. They're having like this big pool party in like this theater, or it looks yeah, like yeah, tanning invitational. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. It was an awesome party. <laughs> so, Slip and slides. And, yeah. So yeah, he lets loose in there, and then William Atherton hears about this through Kent, 
and yeah, he just so after that, Mitch goes back and starts studying even more, and he just he's working so hard, and he's not getting help at all from Val Kilmer, and he just kind of implodes and trashes his uh, lab a little bit, and then goes and he calls his mom saying he wants to come back home. Yeah, that's when you remember that he's fifteen years. He's fifteen old. years yeah. old. Yeah, but Kent. Uh, records the call, and the next day he, during, I don't know, lunch hour or whatever, mm-hmm. in, in the cafeteria, he plays over the loudspeaker the whole conversation they had. And he's crying. Right. And, and just begging to come home, yeah. yeah. But then Val Kilmer kind of steps in and totally backs him up and starts helping him out again. And first off, they got to get back at Kent, so they... It's they, a moral imperative. It's a moral <laughs> imperative. They grab, uh, they they steal Kent's car and they somehow get it into his dorm room. <laughs> Where it's like in his bed, breathing. And sleeping. <laughs> <it's all. laughs> now this is at, so the college that, that they're at is Pacific Tech. And they base this around Caltech. And apparently oh. that actually was based on a true story like somebody oh. actually brought a car into a dorm room <laughs> nice. and turned it on yeah wow an interesting fact we finally do get to find out who um that guy is who's living in the uh, mitch and uh, val kilmer's closet his name is Lazlo hollyfield and he was a student in the 70s who was a lot like bitch was he worked very very hard and just kind of just totally, his brain just exploded. And now he lives in the closet, <laughs> that we, which we later find out is his own little basement lab kind of place where he's, you don't know what he's doing exactly just yet, but he's working on computers and he's... The computer. Yes. Old <laughs> 80s. And it's like color too. I mean, I, I can just imagine back in 85 seeing a color computer like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Usually it was it was two colors, black and green. Right, <laughs> that was right. it. And, and so Mitch, um, Val Kilmer tells Mitch that, yeah, Laszlo was a lot like how you were, and that's what will happen to you if you don't let loose a little bit mm-hmm. and don't take shit so seriously. So from then on, you know, they really start buckling down and... Val Kilmer's really working hard on this laser, and he thinks he has it, but Kent smudges one of the lenses of this laser Mm -hmm. to where it malfunctions and explodes, and Val Kilmer's pissed off, and then Kent kind of tells him that he does it in a way, and Val Kilmer starts having a meltdown, too, because he knows that he's not going to pass now, and that's... All that hard work is down the drain that he's he's accomplished. Yeah, because he still thought... The dean would let him graduate if he completed this laser project. Right. And now that's out the window, too. But during his, his outburst, um, we see... Well, earlier in the movie, we see Val Kilmer. He has this uh, this container, this oh, like uh, this canister yes. <laughs> with, like, uh, what is it, like liquid... CO2. CO2. Yep. And he's slicing it up in a little... <laughs> like little... Like a uh, cheese slicer or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, making faux quarters out of it so, so he can, can get, get coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that would really work. Yeah, I'm thinking about that too. <laughs> so during his outburst, he, he knocks open this canister and he gets the idea that he's been going around about this laser the wrong way the whole time. If he uses CO2 instead, that this laser can work. And he does it and it works and he shows William Atherton it and this is powerful laser and it just... When they fire it off, it just goes through everything, like vroom, and you for miles, it, for yeah. miles, mm-hmm. it goes through like trees and billboards, and they just follow where this laser goes, and it works, and everyone's happy. Mitch is happy. Val Kilmer's ecstatic. He finished his project. He's going to graduate now. He's going to yeah, get a happy job. Yeah, says you graduate. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. We're all good. But then Laszlo Hollyfield kind of questions this. He's like okay, why does this laser only last for so long? And there's something really fishy about this. I don't think this is for science. I think this is for war. And Val Kilmer gets really upset about this, and he goes to the lab to go retrieve the laser. And unfortunately, the CIA has taken all this shit. And there's... I mean, there's no way they can get it back. So So it seems. 
But they concoct a plan to get this laser back. This is an eighties comedy, so. <laughs> so I'm sure there's another there's another eighties montage to set this up too, and um, all in all, they kind of foil the plot of everything. And um, why don't you explain the whole ending of this? How this how this comes to be? Because Val Kilmer and Mitch actually intercept this laser that's gonna be on this jet fighter, and they're gonna do a test run of it out in the desert. So Mitch and Val go and and uh, try and disrupt it. So well, I want to back up to Kent again because I felt like we. Oh didn't yes, yes, it. yes. This is Grace's favorite bit of the movie. So what they end up doing, they know Kent is such a brown nose. They know that Kent knows something about where this laser went that Hathaway probably told him. So they pump gas into his dorm room until he passes out, and then they break in and they put. A receiver in his braces? Yeah. Is that yeah, what yeah, happened? Like a little microscopic. Yeah. Yeah, microphone. Almost. Right. <laughs> so they, so it'll, it'll kind of echo in his head, but nobody else can hear it except for him. Uh-huh. So he wakes up, and it is this, like, distorted voice. Kent. Kent. They finally convince him that it's God talking right. to him. It, it, well, the funny part is, is that God asks him if, He's like, have you been playing with yourself? No, 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 for the last time, stop playing with yourself. And then Kent goes, it is God. (laughs) (laughs) So then later on, when they want to get that information, the first thing God asks Kent is like, are you still playing with yourself? (laughs) Yes. I mean, no. (laughs) So then, yeah, Yeah, Kent spills the beans. Yeah, Kent tells God. um, And then they do, so they find this out. They infiltrate the CIA. Sorry, spit. <laughs> they con their way into the CIA. They plug into whatever the computer is um, before the aircraft takes off because they're they're going to test this out from space. Um, and they they hack it and they change the whatever the trajectory, the yeah. coordinates, so it's going to shoot someplace else. And we've also seen them load something into Jerry Hathaway's house but we don't know what they're loading in there <laughs> right. and then god quote unquote tells kent to go to jerry's house at this exact time they all go they invite the dean and also a congressman too. a congressman because they want to show what this weapon can do what they've done um so they can stop it uh so yeah, that's another like montage. They <laughs> shoot the laser into the. Oh, Kent shows up. They try to stop him from going into the house, right. but they they aren't they don't have a radio they don't have the microphone anymore, so they can't pretend to be God. So Kent goes into the house. They all scream at him to stop. He ignores them. He goes in there. The laser shoots this big aluminum foil thing <laughs> that gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it finally explodes and it's popcorn. So they've completely like filled the whole house, Jerry Hathaway's whole house with popcorn. Iconic. Yeah. What's that? That's an, it's an iconic scene. It is. Yeah. 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 I can always remember that as a kid. Yep. Just blows the house up with popcorn. Apparently, <laughs> a lot of thought went into like the background behind it, like building this and there's hydraulics oh, okay. behind it and getting the popcorn to come out of that house because I imagine in the 80s, you know, they don't have CGI or. No, yeah, no. This was all practical. This is all yeah. real. So. Mm-hmm. And the house looks like it came off the foundation. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does. The I, I believe they they built it as kind of a, maybe a hydraulic house. Oh, okay. In a way, uh, I think I've seen it like when I went to Universal Studios. It might have been there. It's where they uh-huh. have just different parts where you can move a house to where it will assemble in a way to where you can work with it. And, um, like if it's broken or it's fatter, if there's a part missing, or if you just need to move it a little bit, then. To, so you can show that something's in there moving the house. So that's why I think they might have done with that. Um, okay. Not 100%. But yeah. yeah, that ending is is really funny. And of course, Tears for Fears starts playing. Yeah. Kent read, comes oh, spilling it. out. Kent's okay. Kent's, yeah, yeah. Kent's happy. Yeah. Everyone's getting along with him now. <laughs> right. It's a feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Jerry Hathaway, who who figures out immediately that something has gone wrong and he closes yeah. in on where the laser actually hit and he's like, oh, my house. My <laughs> house. <laughs> so the last shot of the movie is of, of Jerry seeing his house just in shambles. Fill <laughs> the pop yeah. car, mm-hmm. popcorn and credits. Now, Grace, why don't you, why do you think this movie didn't get the attention that it deserves as, like now, compared to other movies from the 80s that are talked about so much? 
You know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think it was an awesome movie at mm-hmm. the time. Um, I don't. Maybe it was just so different from what was out there back then that I don't know. Yeah, I think it's that maybe coupled with this wasn't starring like Bill Murray right. or John. Right. Not your typical comedian. Yeah, right. exactly. John Belushi. This was. Val Kilmer's second movie. Nobody yeah. knew who this was. I don't know how Top Secret did, but I didn't even... I think I was in high school before I saw Top Secret. Oh, I saw that when I was like eight, man. <laughs> I love Top Secret. <laughs> I met a guy in college. Like, we became, like, BFFs right now. <laughs> well, I know I definitely yeah. saw Willow before, you know, Val yes. Kilmer with Mad Mardigan mm-hmm. before I saw Real Genius. Yeah, that was so. 1988, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I think, that it wasn't a John Belushi yeah. type of character. Right. They didn't know who Val Kilmer was. Mm. And it was smarter than most frat yes. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like sexist like a lot of them are. And, um, there yeah. weren't too many female characters in this movie. No. There is one in... Uh, Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. She's like a, a... She never sleeps. She's like a really hyperactive person. And uh, she actually becomes the love interest for Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all she really has to do in this movie. She, that's is is a love interest. She contributes a little bit to their group, but you really don't she see does. too much of yeah, it. Yeah, she's part of their team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, do we have a favorite part? I know your favorite part's the God one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Love, I do have another one, and it's it's the CO two where he comes out with his. Uh, blackbird slippers and, yes. <laughs> and scurries out and takes the CO2 out and gets the coffee. I thought that was really cool. I don't know. Oh, man, I don't know if I can pick. I just noticed yesterday that there's a point where they have this, like, what's the, not Brita, what's the water jug? The Culligan, like yeah, a Culligan yeah, yeah. water thing with koi inside of it. Oh, God. a moment where Chris... <laughs> Fills up a, a thing of water and sips from it. I just noticed it yesterday and I was like, oh, yeah. But I, favorite part, I really like the part where he takes, he gets dressed up, he goes to take the Hathaway's exam, he sits next to Kent, and he says something like, do you mind if I name my firstborn after you? Dipshit Knight has a nice ring to it. <laughs> there are so many good lines that Valkyrie really has. Are, yeah. And I wonder how much they let him just say it seems like they were just like i don't know make a joke here i don't mm-hmm. know here's a sort of script yeah it, it feels organic it, it really does, does. Yeah. yeah so ah that's hard to it's hard to say i like the whole movie yeah uh yeah my favorite part is the god part <laughs> are you still playing with yourself <laughs> uh final grade jessalyn a plus uh-huh yeah a plus absolutely uh yeah, i'm gonna give it a nice solid a this is a really okay. good movie this is a good comedy this is feel good movie Right smack dab in the middle of the 80s. This is a definite checkout. If you like Val Kilmer, you like OD from Terror Vision, you know, just, <laughs> this is definitely a comedy you should check out. And I know I don't do too many comedies on this show. I believe it's only like the second one now. I think so, yeah. I, I believe Go was our first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going to definitely mix in more. And I'm sure Jessalyn, some of her picks, she'll pick more comedies. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is a, a definite check out for us so it's available to buy on amazon prime and that is how we watched it right (laughs) it was only six dollars i know i know i know know. (laughs) it is on demand currently i did watch oh is it yeah okay yeah and there was bbc oh all right Mm -hmm. and there is a dvd in our living room (laughs) 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 now i own it i can stream it anywhere i am now Alright, well, thank you, Grace, for coming along with us yeah. for, yeah, for this for episode. Um, Jessalyn, thank you for always coming on. Uh, we'll be back next week. Another first. It's a boxing movie we're having. Ooh. Ooh boxing movie. <laughs> you always give me the list at the beginning of the month, and it's just like in one ear and out the other. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a boxing movie like you've never seen before, so don't expect Rocky, alright? <laughs> Alright, thank you guys once again for taking giving us a listen, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.